Well, good morning. Let's get after it. If you have a Bible, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 4. Um, we, got, we started the worship guides last week uh, and got just an overwhelming response um, of apparently our people like to fill in blanks. Uh, so we're continuing with that. Uh, you'll notice this week uh, it's not on cardstock, so we're still kind of experimenting. Let us know if you, you'd like it better with cardstock or with the regular paper. Um, so we've got those for you guys. Um, Ephesians 4, lots to do today. I was 17 years old and uh, in high school when Jesus saved me, uh, and I started um, going to a Bible study that Chris Henderson led. Um, and it has now turned into Collide and meets on Sunday nights here at the church. Um, but way back then, it was just a Bible study at his house. Uh, and so in high school, as a senior, I was going to that Bible study. I didn't have a church home. And so in 2006, early 2006, I started coming to First Colony Christian Church, uh, where Chris led worship. Um, at the time, it was pastored by a man named Matt Rosine. Um, and so uh, in 2006, the church was very, very different than what it is now. Um, and I've actually got a picture of me and Matt uh, from 2007. I was uh, rocking the long hair. <laughs> Couldn't grow facial hair at the time, so uh, that was a later addition. Um, that's, that's me and Matt. I think that's in, in 2007. Um, and so I, I did every parent's uh, nightmare. I, I didn't go to out of state college. I uh, stayed in, in town. Um, so I, I kept going here through through my college, uh, through my freshman year. Actually, September 3rd, 2006, um, right as college started for me, was the first time I ever preached in a church. Matt invited me to preach here. Um, and uh, it was an awful sermon. I mean, just so bad. Uh, <laughs> I would ask what was said, but I'm not. I don't, know, don't ask the question if you don't want the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that. Uh, so I, anyways, I attended here for about two years and, and went off to work at a camp uh, in summer of 07. Um, while I was at camp, Matt resigned, uh, got back for his last Sunday, um, and I had offered to uh, help the church in the meantime, um, however they would need it, uh, whether it was preaching or organizing things or whatnot. Uh, I remember an email I sent to Elizabeth um, while I was at camp, and she replied. Uh, she was on the board and, and just thanking me for my help. Uh, so got back and uh, was organizing services with Chris um, and then doing a little bit of preaching. We had a, a rotation for a while of me. Uh, Bowers would do some preaching, um, and then Adam, uh, and the three of us would, would kind of rotate, and then we'd also bring in guests. Uh, we did that for about six months, and then I got hired on here as youth pastor. Um, so we kept doing that, and I was youth pastor. Well, fast forward one year later, um, and there's a search committee for uh, us finding a pastor. I'm on it, um, but I find a, about a year later, so this is getting close to the start of 2009 um i find that i'm walking into a room and and where normally i'm on the inside of conversations like you know what i mean uh i mean you're just kind of on the inside there's not much people hide from you uh you, you get the scoop now i'm finding that i walk into a room and the conversation stops i'm going uh they're keeping something from me and I go, either I'm getting fired or something, something weird is happening. So um, I'm approached with the idea of being hired on and, and promoted uh, to, to lead pastor. Um, and I, at the time, I'm 19. Uh, well, I'm 20, actually. I'm 20 at the time. Um, and so didn't think it was a very good idea at first. And, and we prayed and, and we talked about it. Uh, at the beginning of 2009, we decided to go for it. Um, and so I have been pastoring here for about two years now. Um, I say all this... 
for a couple of reasons. One, I love FCQ. I've been coming here for uh, about five years now. Um, I, I love it. Uh, it's, it's very much home to me. Uh, and then the second reason I say that is because I think it's safe for all of us to breathe. Uh, so when you hire a 20-year-old as pastor, um, there's kind of the gripping the, the side rails and going, is this going to be okay? I mean, is this going to work? Uh, I was kind of worried there was like a secret church police that was going to show up. And be like, you can't do that. Um, but we survived and, and we didn't die. We didn't explode. Um, and, and so we're here. So I, so I think we can, th- those of us who were with, with here, who, who were here two years ago, I think we can breathe and, and say, okay, we're, we made it through two years. Um, two years is normally the time when most pastors quit. Um, and so we're marching through the two-year mark, uh, which is also a, a special thing. Um, and then I, I want to say that uh, for this reason, I tell the story, um, because I am amped up. I mean, I'm really energetic. Uh, I've been waiting for this period in my life and the church for two years now, uh, for the time where I would be out of school full-time uh, and be able to, to really invest here. Uh, so I have lots of energy, lots of ideas, and we're going to go very, very hard, and we're going to push in 2011. Um, and so what I want to do this morning, we will, last week we, we talked about the need for examining our lives, right? Uh, uh, taking stock of where we are, what decisions are we making, where are we going to end up in two years? Well, I want to do that, not to ourselves this morning, but to the church. Where have we been in 2010? Where are we going? And then, and then I mean, why? I mean, what's our purpose? What are we doing here? What are we expecting? And uh, so I want to launch us into our discussion from Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, we'll pick it up in verse 11. Um, We'll look again at our our goals, um, our mission, our philosophy, and then we'll review 2010 and look forward to 2011. Um, It's a little bit different than what we normally do here. Uh, Starting next week, we'll open up Hebrews chapter 1, uh, and we'll start walking through the book of Hebrews, um, which I'm very excited for, but today we'll, we'll kind of take stock of our church. Ephesians 4, we'll pick it up in verse 11 here. This passage in Ephesians 4, um, it's a very thick passage. Uh, we talked last week, Ephesians 4.1 is kind of the turning point of Ephesians. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Live appropriate to how God has saved you, how he's blessed you. Um, and then in Ephesians 4, he goes on to talk about the church. And really the quintessential passage on the church in the New Testament. This is what the church does. This is what it um, operates like. And this is what its goal is. So we'll pick it up in verse 11 here. The Holy Spirit, through Paul, says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Okay, here the, the church is called the body of Christ. Um, we are God, Christ's body. We are the, the body of Jesus. We're his presence. We're his agents in the world around us. And, and he addresses them as saints. And so we'll, we'll talk about this in just a minute, um, kind of the importance that he's calling them saints here, um, because he would call you and I saints. Holy ones, the church, regardless of our flaws, we'll, we'll get into that. Notice what he says here in verse 11. He says, He gave, and this off five people, five types of leaders apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. He says, He gave these to the church to help her, to help her be the church. If you're following along in our worship guide, God gives us leaders to help the church accomplish her mission. 
So notice here, the leaders, there's these five types of leaders Paul mentions here. There's more. He has a different list. There's, there's different ways to categorize them. But the leaders are given to the church not to do her mission, not to do the work of ministry, but to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And so I, I hail on this all the time. I'm not the pastor of First Colony Christian Church. You are. You're the ministers. You're the body of Christ. My job, according to the scriptures, as your pastor, is to help you be who you are. To equip you. That's our leadership job. So we've got um, our staff, myself, Chris Henderson, Michelle, Janelle, Zach McKeska. We've got uh, our, our elders and our deacons and different volunteer teams. And the leadership of FC Cube is only successful to the degree that we equip you to be the light and the salt in the places where you live. Where we're not helping you do that, we're not doing our job. We're not fulfilling our purpose. So God gives the church leaders to equip her for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So God gives us these leaders to help her accomplish her mission. Now I want to um, talk about this idea that, that the church in Ephesus it was made up of these people, and he calls them saints. Um, now we know this about New Testament churches. A lot of them were messed up. Like they had some serious problems. And so sometimes we romanticize the early church. And we go, well, if we could just be like the early church. Well, God help us. We don't want to be like the early church. I mean, they had lots of problems. Uh, so in Corinth, you've got a church that one is in teams. It's divided itself up. And so in Sugarland, it'd be like, uh, um, I'm on Mike's team. And then someone else would be like, I'm on Chris's team. And we're competing each other. We're putting each other down. Then you've got a man who's sleeping with his mom, his stepmom, and the church is proud of it. I mean, it's one thing to just be in sin and, and to be doing something that's wrong. It's another thing to be pretty proud of yourself for it. I mean, that's just a, that's a different level of wrongness. And Paul's writing them like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And we, we know in Thessalonica, the church there, that some of the believers had actually quit their jobs um, to just kind of talk and hang out and let the other weaker members of the church support them. And Paul writes them and goes, what do you, no, don't, you need to work for your living. You need to provide for yourself. Um, so, so we know that, I mean, there are tons of problems in the early church, but if there's one church that we think or might be inclined to think got it right, it would be this church in Ephesus. Paul starts um, the church in Ephesus in Acts 19. He spends about two years there. And, uh, I mean, so, I mean, we've got a good staff here. We've got some talented, able-bodied people, some energetic, some good minds. But the church in Ephesus had the all-star staff. You have Paul starts the church, kind of organizes them for a couple years. Then we know that Paul sent Timothy, his disciple, in the New Testament, two books named after him, to go pastor the church in Ephesus. Then we know also that the Apostle John was a pastor in Ephesus. So as, as good as our staff is, I mean, we don't have it on Ephesus. I mean, they've got the all, they've got the A team. And, and so we'd be tempted, and, and then the book of Ephesians doesn't necessarily mention specific problems. It's, it's more of a, a statement of, this is the church, this is your Christian life, this is how God has blessed you. So we're, we're tempted to the, well, maybe the Ephesus church had it right. That's the temptation. But there's a few references in the scriptures that would make us question that. Um, Paul, in letters to Corinth, says, I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus. There's good reason to believe the wild beasts were the church, were the people. Uh, when he writes to Timothy, he says, 
hey, the church you're pastoring, they're gossips. They're gossips and they sit around and they, they slander each other and they make up these crazy stories. Some of them have left to follow Satan, he says. He's talking about the church in Ephesus. And then John, 20, 30 years later, writes Revelation and addresses Ephesus and says, hey, you protect doctrine and right theories, but you have no love. You, the Real famous, you've lost your first love. You've no love for each other. So we know the church in Ephesus wasn't great. Here's my point. <coughs> Saints is what the New Testament calls you and I. And we immediately go, we're not saints. I'm not a saint. You're not a saint. Have you met the person sitting next to me? And the New Testament goes, no, you're a saint. You're the body of Christ, one of the holy ones. Church has never been perfect. It's never been. Church people are not perfect, and they've never been. It's, it's never been that way throughout history. You won't find the perfect church that doesn't have some issues, that doesn't have some personality conflicts. What the church is, though, is a group of people who have been saved by grace, who are on their way to maturity in Christ. Some more than others. Some are more at an infant stage. Some are at an adult stage. We have a group of people who the New Testament would call the body of Christ and they're on their way to maturity. Now we believe here at FCQ that we are a local expression of this universal body. So all over the world, the anthem is rising, we sang. There's a, a large group of people who worship Jesus, who say that he has saved them, and who follow him. And we believe that we are a local Sugarland expression of that universal body. That we are saints, not perfect, but saints who have been given leaders to help us accomplish our mission. And the mission we see here in Ephesians 4 is what he calls the, the work of ministry, or the building up of the body, attaining unity in the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, um, fullness in Christ. Um, that we're no longer children, that, that we have a, song, have a solid and, and strong foundation. Um, churches exist to further Jesus' mission of building up his body. The body of Christ is an extension of Jesus here and now, and we are furthering his mission. We do this primarily through worship and service, through outreach and love, where his hands and feet, his, his instruments here on earth, his his mission in action. So look in, in verse 15 here. This is rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here's the image again. The church is growing up. It's almost like a coming-of-age story. I mean, we're learning what it means to be God's people. We're learning what it means to live like God's people, to do His work like God's people. And He says we, we speak the truth in love. Truth and love are both essential to our growing up in Christ. If you have truth but not love, you have cold, dead, harsh orthodoxy. If you have love without truth, you have pure emotion. It's unstable. It disappears quickly. He says, no, for, for us to grow up, we need to speak the truth in love. 
We need to say right things and say them in the right way. Also notice that the body, he says when it's, it's held together and each part is working. He's saying when, when the body, when, when our group of, of saints, when we're healthy and when we're doing what we're supposed to do, the body's growing. When it's building itself up in love. A healthy church is a growing church. <clears throat> when, it's, when it's healthy, when the parts are doing what they're supposed to do, the body's growing. Now, growing in, in two ways. Um, yes, numerically, but also spiritually. We're advancing. We're maturing in our walks with Christ individually and corporately. We're reflecting His image more and more. Now, churches can go through seasons where there's more or less growth in either one of these areas. But a healthy church, according to the New Testament, is a church that grows. It's a church that's building itself up in love. That's slowly but surely accomplishing Jesus' mission and becoming His people. Finding their true identity in Him. This is the, the organization, the nature, the goal of the church. A group of believers, you and I, called out from the world to be Jesus to the people around us. To as we worship and serve and learn about Him and grow in our own faith, also accomplish His mission of reconciliation, of recreation, of justice, and gospel around us. This is what we are at FC Cubed. I mean, this is just the core of how we understand ourselves. I understand you and I in this room today as people primarily who at some point in their life have been called out of sin, who have been called out of their darkness and been set apart for a purpose. And we come together as a family and we pursue the things of Christ. We pursue it as we grow and deepen and mature in our faith and we pursue it as we grow and deepen and mature in our reach and our impact to the community around us. Now I want to talk about our philosophy here at First Colony Christian Church. There's some things that that I hold real deeply and that we, for, for at least the past few years, have, have really held on to. Um, and so the New Testament is, is, in a sense, just a handbook for missions. Um, it's a way for you and I to um, understand that this is primarily how... Welcome, come on in. Um, this is primarily how the church is played out. And then you and I, in our context, we figure it out for, for Sugarland. So I'll explain it like this. For the past two years, I, I do some speaking, um, and I've, I've met other people, and I've gotten to know how other churches work. Um, I, I've kind of got to see the inner workings of other churches and things like that. Um, and, and a lot of it, my suspicions were confirmed. Um, I, I joined this church five years ago because I thought that church in America was flawed fundamentally. I thought it was, it was wrong from the get-go. And my suspicions have been confirmed over the years. And so what I want to do is talk about how we at FC Cube feel we're called to work this out in our community. And we're going to do it in the form of four things that we refuse to believe or to do. Um, and so I want to put a disclaimer here. We're, we're not, I'm not necessarily saying that churches that do this or believe this or act like this are wrong. But here's what I am saying. It's not what we are called to do and to be. It's not what we are called to do and to believe. Here's the first one. We refuse to measure success in numbers. <clears throat> There's going to be a disclaimer for about every one of these. Um, so here's why I made that. Crowds are not more important than faithfulness. You following that? 
Crowds are not more important than faithfulness, than obedience. Um, church in America has become a self-sustaining business um, that makes profit and is sustainable. I mean, that's just what it's become. It's become an industry where we sell a product to you. And we work for numbers and numbers and numbers. Well, from day one, we've said, we're not going to do that. We refuse to measure ultimate success in numbers. Now, here's the disclaimer. I believe, you've heard me say this all the time, FC Cube is called to grow. I do. We bought these chairs. I pushed for these chairs, thinking that soon, every single one of them is going to be full. Not because, but not because I care about numbers. I could care less. But because I care about people in our community who would be sitting in these chairs growing with us. Here's the difference. I believe we're called to grow. I think we will grow. We're going to push to grow. But that's not our ultimate measure of success. In five years, we have 60 people. But we are faithful. And we succeeded. Christians aren't called to be successful. We're not measuring it with numbers. We're measuring it with obedience. This leads into our second refusal and says that we refuse to act as though our creativity and not the gospel is the hope of the world around us. Here's what I mean by that. The, the scriptures say in Romans 1 that the uh, power of God to save is, is through the good news, through the story of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished on the cross. And it's not necessarily up to us. It's not up to our creativity. It's not Mike's job to be super creative <coughs> and find a way to reach the world. It's Mike's job to recognize that the gospel is the best thing for the people around us. Now, disclaimer, again, creativity is important. I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, you may have seen me, I don't go to town center on Saturday nights and preach in Greek. I go, well, the gospel, I'm preaching in Greek, not seeing any, any fruit. Now, I'm going to be creative. How do I communicate the gospel to them? But here's what this means. It means you don't water down. You don't sell out. The gospel is something we're willing to die on. I mean, and this is just the honest truth. I'm willing to let the doors of this church close to keep preaching the gospel. I just am. It's, it's bigger than our success. Now, are we creative? I would like to think so. Will we work hard to communicate the truth of the gospel in a way that people understand? Yes. But at no point, and this happens in churches all over America, at no point will there be a meeting where I sit down and tell someone, why don't we tone that down? Why don't we, we word that differently? Why don't we trick people into getting in the door and then in a back door telling them the truths of the gospel. This is not going to happen. Our creativity is not the hope of the world. So here's what it comes down to. There are real broken problems in the world. And there are some in the American church world who would say that me standing up here preaching the scriptures every week, walking through Hebrews, is irresponsible. Because people's marriages are falling apart. People are sexually addicted and broken. People have broken homes. And so for me to get up here and just preach the scriptures is irresponsible. I should be doing short, three-part series on how to be a better husband. 
and how to be a better wife. I'm not being creative enough to reach them and to, to give them what they need. My contention, our contention, is that the gospel is what they need. That, that there's nothing wrong with being a better husband. In fact, I'm going to urge you to do that. But we're going to do that out of Hebrews and Micah and 1 John and Ephesians and Philippians. At the end of the day, there's, there's nothing I believe more strongly that what the community around us needs most is the truth of who Jesus is. And again, we're willing to die here. This is just a mountain we're not giving up. Here's the, the third one. So don't mishear me. Creativity is important. And you know, I'm not the most creative person in the world. But I try. Look in. Look at that. Here's the third one. We refuse to assume that deep worship and challenging holiness hinder mission. Um, it's, it's my belief that the church is, not only is it you and I, but our time together is primarily for believers. Uh, it's not a time of evangelism. It's a, it's a time for you and I to grow and to worship. And indirectly, I think it evangelizes. So in the scriptures, um, they speak of you and I worshiping passionately. And then when unbelievers come in, which hopefully they do, they see our worship and are turned on to our God. But we don't water <coughs> things down and evangelize. We, we worship. And we challenge each other to live holy, to live right lives. It's like saying that and this is the best way I've ever heard to put it. Um, so we'll use Zach and Michelle as an example. Congratulations. <laughs> it's like saying that Zach should kind of tone down his affection for Michelle when I'm around if I want to get married. <coughs> so I walk into the room, and they're kind of talking. Zach's got his arm around her, and immediately he kind of shoves her away. He goes, well, I don't really like her that much. I'm like, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> and then he's around me all the time, nagging and complaining. And then all of a sudden I'm going, you know, I want that. I want to have the life sucked out of me like Zach. I want to get married. No, what's going to make me want to get married is when I walk in the room and Zach goes, I love this girl. What's going to make me want to get married is when Zach sits down with me and goes, well, I don't even know where I'd be without her. I can't even describe my love for her, the gift that God's given me in her. Worship, praise, those things attract. They don't hinder mission. There's no need to tone things down on a Sunday morning. If anything, you, you amp them up. Sunday morning is time of celebration and then passionate worship and challenging holiness. A call to true life. Again, watering down, it's, it's not an option. Um, creativity is, but watering down is not. The last one is this, that we refuse to believe that God doesn't do big things through small churches. Um, as I've said this often, still believe it, um, that... God is going to change Sugarland through our church. Um, it's going to happen. I think it is happening. Um, and now the disclaimer for this is it might not look like how we think it will look like. I mean, it might look radically different from where we think it would look like. It might look like we didn't do it. <coughs> but I believe the church has a mission, body of Christ, and when we're faithful to that, it's accomplished. I believe Sugarland is going to be changed by you and I. And in fact, I do believe it's happening now. These are our four refusals. And you may not agree with all of them. That's, that's okay. But as, as leadership, we want to be transparent with you as, as your pastor. I mean, these are things that, that I'm staking our ministry on. You deserve to know. At the end of the day, you and I exist 
in our community to know Jesus as our Savior, as our King, more and more and more, and to invite the people around us into that saving relationship. Anything else is a distraction. Any other motive or mission is wrong. And this is what we're after. So let's talk about 2010. Um, I want to give just a, a few quick highlights of, of what happened in 2010. Um, and I think this, this will be fun. This will be enjoyable. We uh, had three baptisms. Real small print. You'll see why. Um, the page is going to get filled up real fast. Uh, three baptisms. We had seven uh, two years ago in 2009. Um, so we were down a little bit, but three baptisms. The ten baptisms in the last two years uh, were much more than the one um, since 2006 that I, I can remember. Um, so growing in that department, uh, we want to see more baptisms, more confessions of faith, things like that. Um, handful of baby and child dedications. I'll mention one of these baptisms was um, with a non-believer, uh, someone who actually uh, accepted Christ at one of our earlier like, prayer services as a college student. Um, so, I mean, when you look at baptisms, a lot of times it's kids raised up in the church. Um, and so, know that. I mean, one of them was a, a non-believer, someone who, who would say that, I didn't have faith, now I do, uh, because of FC Cubed. Um, so we have three baptisms, some, some baby uh, and child dedications. We sent a team uh, to Mississippi on a mission trip. Uh, Zach led them, uh, and they had a good time. We partnered and donated to various organizations um, that we'd been doing and, and kind of increased camp blessing. Uh, we sent three people, myself, Adam, and Zach, as well as uh, about 800 something dollars uh, over to them, which is a sponsorship for two children. Um, you'll hear more about camp blessing in the future as we increase our partnership with them. Um, where we sent some money and some people their way. Um, East Warbin Human Needs Ministry, uh, we did a lot with them. Uh, we raised some school supplies. We did really our big thing with them um, so far has been the turkey drive every year. Uh, we raised over 100 turkeys uh, this November. That's uh, over $1,000 sent over their way so that they can feed the people in Sugarland. Um, Project Remedy, we sponsored 12 children this Christmas, uh, provided Christmas gifts for them. Uh, that's over about $900 if you're keeping score. Um, Church Under the Bridge, we've just started a partnership with them that we're looking at increasing, uh, getting you guys out there um, with us. I've been there for the past two months. Michelle's come, Zach's come, a couple of our high schoolers have come. Uh, we'll keep inviting you to go to that. The Southway Community Church, um, we're doing the pulpit swaps, uh, and we're looking at partnering with them even more. Uh, and they're actually the ones that invited us to Church Under the Bridge. Um, so if you're keeping score, again, we were, if you missed the meeting, uh, in the black this year. Um, aggressive budget. We're way in the black. Uh, multiple thousands of dollars. Uh, and we sent lots of money for a group our size away. And we just gave it away. We just sent it out of our... We're going to do that again in 2011. 2000, 2010 was a, a pretty impressive year as far as giving. As far as, as making an impact for a group our size. <laughs> we had a summer class that I taught on Jesus' life and ministry um, that we had a good group uh, attend and walk through with me. Um, we had a summer, summer sermon series over Micah, uh, which I think was a very enjoyable time in our church's life. I learned a lot about who God is and what he wants from us um, through the book of Micah. In uh, our Micah series, our big application was the Do Love Walk campaign, um, where we asked you to make commitments to um, love, mercy, to do justice, and to walk humbly with your God. Uh, we had some presentations of people getting up here and sharing how God was working in their lives, which I thought which is a very special time um, in our church. I uh, loved hearing that. We're going to try to keep that going, getting you guys up in front, saying this is what God's doing, this is what he's teaching me, this is where I'm struggling, things like that. We had a prayer group that met um, and prayed uh, every day for 90 days um, for our church. 
We had services as usual on Sundays. We also had some extra services, some elder-led prayer service where, again, uh, we had a person come to Christ. We had a Good Friday service, which I thought was just an amazing time. Um, and then we had the Christmas Eve service, which was also an amazing time. Um, we had different sermon series. This is where my creativity comes in play. Uh, we had a sermon series on hope. Um, that went into Easter. We had a sermon series on the different parts of the story of Scripture. Uh, we had our family trait series called the Virtues of FC Cube. We had our series on the Great Commission called the Divine Scheme. And those are along with Micah. Uh, we had our annual fall festival uh, at the Children's Ministry. And then we had our, our FC Cube Battle of the Bands, um, which was, uh, for as long as I've been here, I mean, just the absolute most kids we've ever packed in here. Um, so over 100, I believe. Was that right, Chris? Yeah, well over 100. Um, and, and we just had a few bands come in and play. And it was a real good time. Uh, lots of kids, lots of parents. Um, so those are some of the highlights of 2010. And that's just kind of on top of, I mean, kind of everyday rhythmic um, kind of ministry. So we have, we have home groups that meet. We have Collide. Um, Collide went through some changes, went up and down and up and down. We have Collide that meets on Sunday nights. We have Survive, um, which is going strong, uh, very healthy. Our, that's a young adult group. Um, we have a woman's day group that meets um, and is going real well. Um, and so we've got just these every day, every week, every month kind of rhythms to our church life. And I really think, again, I want to skip over the 52 Sundays that we had in 2010. I think there's something really beautiful and deep about just every week living life and worshiping together. And it's not necessarily special or flashy or anything like that. There's something that significant, I think, that changes in your heart that as we do that, that I think is worth celebrating. Um, so here's what I would say. As your pastor, looking back on 2010, you can disagree with me if you want to. Uh, I think that 2010, it should be 2010, was a great year for FCQ. It's a great year. It was an absolute great year. Um, and I think that there is a lot of room to grow. A lot of room to grow. So here's how I envisioned 2010. Again, I've been waiting two years for this sermon and for the next 12 months. I think 2010 was a big step in the right direction. And we're going to push. We're going to go. A lot of room to grow. Now, there are things we don't do very well here. I mean, there are. There are things that I have failed you in the past two years. I've not done a great job of doing certain things. There are definitely things to change and improve on. And those are things we're going to attack in 2011 so that you and I can successfully be faithful in growing our faiths, our walks with Christ, and then reaching the people around us. I'll highlight four of what uh, we'll call them points of emphasis that we'll look at in 2011 and really go after. Uh, the first is continuing our current ministries. Um, so we have children's ministry, youth ministry, college ministry, worship ministry, recording ministry, um, lots of different ministries. We want to do them better um, and more efficiently. Uh, and, and reach more people, see more life change, things like that. Uh, so we built that into the budget in certain places uh, to be able to do that uh, and accomplish that. Uh, and we'll be pushing to, to constantly improve. So even, I mean, Sunday mornings, uh, we're looking at improving. I mean, how can we best help you learn? Worship guides, bulletins. I mean, what do we need to do to help you learn to increase your faith and to, to help visitors? Um, we're also going to be looking at 
uh, starting up some new ministries. Uh, so we are uh, real excited about this. We put in uh, a fairly large budget item uh, for missions. Uh, so at FCQ, what we've had happen over the past year is we've really focused on doing God's work um, and being involved in kingdom growth. Um, we've had some people just kind of step up and start doing stuff on their own. Um, and we've had some really cool projects start going. And what I've always wanted is to be able for FC Cube to kind of put some water on those seeds and watch them grow. So we've got money in 2011 that we're going to do that for. When we see missions happening, when we see something that's worthy of being supported, now we have a budget to go and to help, to go and to grow, to go and to sponsor. I'm so excited about that. We're also going to really push in 2011 to get a, an adult ministry up and functioning. Um, we've got a, and what I mean by that is, is that we've got adult ministries. We've got the Women's Day group and things like that. Um, but we're looking at a, a kind of a home group um, that meets maybe once a month, twice a month, uh, much like the Survive uh, model um, for, for people who are a little bit older than Survive. Um, we want a place where we can plug in adults um, very quickly. We get a young adult, I can plug them in like that survive. We've got friends there, we've got family there, go, have fun. When we get an adult, I want to be able to plug them in just as easily. Um, so we're going to push for that uh, and watch that grow. If you're interested in heading that up, hallelujah. Um, we're going to work on our whole interaction with visitors here at FCQ. And so what I mean by that is, one, we're going to work on what I'll call our first impressions. Um, so we're a small church. Um, and for some visitors, in fact, I, for a good amount of visitors, um, it's a very awkward attending here for the first time. Very, very awkward. Uh, and even intimidating. I mean, scary. I mean, just uncomfortable. Um, and most studies, and it, and it kind of makes sense, would say that really in the first two to five minutes, someone will decide, this isn't for me. I might sit through the next hour, hour and a half, but this isn't for me. This is not for me. So here's what we want to do. We want to absolutely be intentional about the first 10 minutes of a visitor's time with us. Um, from the moment they get out of their car in the parking lot uh, to the moment they're sitting down in their seats and services starting. We want to work on that first impression of uh, making sure it's, it's not that awkward. Uh, it's not intimidating for them. They know where things are. Uh, they know what's going on, things like that. We also want to work on our follow-up with visitors. So the first, we'll say, four weeks uh, from the time someone first visits FCQ. Right now, I mean, what we're doing real informal I'll email or I'll send a letter or something like that. We want to be intentional about that uh, and, and kind of work out what would it mean for a visitor to get plugged in? What would it mean for someone to, in four weeks, say, yeah, they visited and, and they've kind of gotten into our family and they've gotten into the rhythm of our life? Um, we also, <coughs> let me find my place here, with visitors, um, we also want to work on more ways to get first-time visitors in the door, um, just get traffic in here. Uh, and so uh, we'll be looking at that and, and doing some creativity and, and some brainstorming with that. Um, so we'll be, we'll be working on that in 2011. We'll also be looking at just more opportunities for you uh, and, and those who will be with us um, in the future to grow and to serve. Um, so 2011 already, uh, just last night, um, couldn't sleep. Again, I'm, I'm really excited about this time in our life. Um, and I'm just thinking and, and just kind of brainstorming these out. I mean, just for the next three months, I mean, we've got a ton of stuff coming up. Um, and so really, I can't say this for all of the churches. Churches existed for like 30 years, if you didn't know. There's a lot of history. Um, but for the past two years, and that's what I'll say, 2011 is going to have much more. I mean, just 
way more ways for you to grow in your faith and way more ways for you to serve and to get involved. We're going to unpack and unroll and invite you to things um, more than we have done in the past two or three years. Uh, so we started that, and we're teaching a, a class right now on the life of Scripture, which you're welcome to join us for. Um, we're starting up our, our partnership with Church Under the Bridge. Uh, we've got some things with the East Forb and Human Needs coming up, um, and then some other cool stuff planned for February and March and April um, and in the summer as well. Uh, so all that to say, I mean, we're going to work hard on unpacking more ways than you could possibly ever use. Um, so Bible studies, small groups, classes, resources. I mean, it's stuff for you to use, for you to take, for you to read through. Um, ways for you to serve with different organizations in our community, maybe on a, a mission trip, long term or um, long distance. But in 2011, we're going to really unpack, and, and again, just much more than we have in the past two years for various reasons. Um, and so that's what 2011 looks like for us as we try to be this body, this group of saints that's healthy, that's, that's working together, doing their job, and growing up into Christ with love and service and worship and encouragement. Here's where we need you to come in. Um, we need you to um, be regular attenders. Um, there's something not only special for you with regular attendance, um, but also uh, that helps us out uh, with a week-in, week-out attendance. So we need you to serve and to get plugged in. Um, and then we also need you to pray. We need you to pray. We need you to pray. We need you to pray. That's one of the things we realized in the past six to eight months. So we haven't been praying enough. We haven't been praying enough for God to use our church powerfully. First thing um, that's going to need to happen for you and I to, to be what God wants us to be is for you and I to get on our knees and pray. So I'm asking, and we're going to do the prayer group again soon, so we'll get commitments for 90 days to pray every day for the church. But I'm asking, I mean, get on your knees every day. So God, use me, use the church, grow us in the way that you see fit. Help us to be who you want us to be. We need you to pray. I love FCQ. It's, it's dear to my heart, and it's my favorite metaphor for the church is a family. Um, and so the, the New Testament will do this by saying that you and I are, are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're this family image. Um, and what I've learned as I've grown up, I'm 22 years old. Um, <laughs> I've heard that you peak at wisdom at 22. <laughs> Okay, 25. <laughs> what I've learned is, is there's something about family. I mean, there just is. Something about blood relations um, that's just special. I mean, you just don't quite get it elsewhere. Um, and I've learned this as I've grown up. I, you, you don't quite understand that as much when you're younger. Um, but when you get in that situation where you get a phone call and someone needs help or, or needs something done, and it's now your top priority, no matter what you were working on, no matter what time it is, no matter any of that, that's when it makes sense. There's something about family. And there's just something, you drop what you're doing and you help or you make sure that it gets done. It gets taken care of. I'll, I'll just give you a quick story. Um, this past week, uh, a member of our first service, uh, who two members uh, who have been going through some hard stuff, um, had another real tragic loss. Um, one of our uh, members um, called them because she hadn't seen him in a few weeks, uh, found out about the loss and then informed the rest of us. Uh, Friday, 
sometime Friday, maybe morning, mid-morning, uh, I emailed out uh, as many people as I can think saying, hey, we've been asked to provide food for a memorial service um, Sunday afternoon. Um, and literally, I mean, uh, within minutes, maybe an hour or two, I'd heard back from just about everybody with, how much can I make? And I know some of these people are busy and busy, have a marathon coming up and whatnot. And, and it hit me, and, and I think it hit Jen too. She was running point on it. And I mean, this is a family. This is a, what you've got here is a group of people who will rally around you with the snap of your finger. Who will rally around and say, what do you need? How are we going to do it? It's a family. And, and that's really one of the things that, that drew me to FCQ. That's one of the things, again, that we're not going to lose. I mean, that's the thing we're keeping. That's non-negotiable. This is us. This is where we've been. This is where we're going. We need you to commit. We need you to get involved. I'm excited about 2011. Well, I want you to be excited. I want you to, to get pumped up. I'll say this as your patch will wrap up. 2010 was great. 2011 will be better. It's going to be a good year. And again, I'll say this confidently and I'll repeat it. Maybe not like we think it will be. I mean, that's kind of the catch to all of this. God has his plans. Oftentimes they're not ours. So I can draw out how great I think 2011 will be. And it might look completely different, but it, it would be better than I could have imagined. Paul's speaking the truth in love. We grow up into Christ. When all of the parts of the body are working together, when they're functioning, when they're healthy, the body grows. It builds itself up in love. And it's on its way to reaching the fullness of Christ. That's who we are. That's where we're headed. And I'm excited. So let's pray. Father, I thank you um, for our time this morning. Uh, I pray that uh, you would just be with us uh, for our future. Um, where the things we need to improve, you help us improve. The things we need to, to keep, you help us keep. I pray just a prayer of blessing over 2011. Um, as we try out some new things, and as we really push um, to, to accomplish your purposes through us, that you bless us. Um, Father, I pray where we uh, make mistakes, and we do, and we will, um, that you would show that to us. You would help us um, obey and follow you better. I pray for all of us um, that you would meet us where we are, that we'd be encouraged, um, that we would find in you our joy and our hope. We would find in our service to you um, our purpose in life, our satisfaction, our meaning. Father, we love you. We thank you for all the gifts that you've given us that we can look back on and say thank you for. And we want to thank you this morning for the gifts that are still to come. Be with us. Be with us. We'll always pray that. Be with us. That's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.